0: So, Laura and I have a four-year-old and uh, almost nine-month-old Daisy and Levi, and unfortunately, neither of them have been great sleepers. And you know how some parents say, "Well, if if your first isn't great, well, your second one's probably going to be better." No, no, no. (laughs) That that is not the case. Both are not great sleepers, and uh, so you know they wake up throughout the night, and sometimes you know you gotta go, you gotta go get them, whatnot, and um, it can be difficult to find where you're going. And in our bedroom, we have a, you know, a rocker and a stool uh, that is fairly close to the bed. So there, there have been countless occasions where I've been, I get up, I get up, 3 o'clock in the morning, trying to find my way, and bam! Oh, my shit! And I feel like the guy's in Home Alone. You know, I was like, oh my... And I'm not going to cuss because I'm a pastor. It's just like... Oh, my shit! Oh, man! And if it's been a crazy, hectic week... There are countless death traps of just stuff around the room. And so it's just, man, i got to avoid this. So, friends, we've gotten smarter. We've gotten a little smarter. We decided we need a nightlight. <laughs> not, not for Levi's room, for our room. <laughs> so now that we plug in the nightlight, now we can avoid all of the painful death traps around the room so I don't bang my shin on the, rock, the stool anymore. This is a funny story, friends, but in a similar way, the world that we live in is in darkness. It is in darkness. And the scary part is, most people don't even know it. They don't see it. People are walking around, they're stumbling around, they're tripping over all kinds of things that are hazards, hazards to them spiritually, and they're hurting themselves. And so many people, they don't know why. Why do I feel so lost? Why do I feel so broken? Many people, they don't know why. They feel so angry or depressed. Many aren't sure where to go or what to do. It's because they're in the dark. They're in the dark. They can't see the way out. For well, friends, praise be to God, we learn in our story that God has turned the lights on. He has done something about this. He has sent the light of his son Jesus and he has sent the apostles and the church to go pr- proclaim and testify to this light. Jesus says to Paul in our passage, I am sending you to them, to the people, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. Now, when you've heard the scripture reading this morning, you might have thought, well, I've, I've heard this before. Maybe not, not only all of the trials that we've been in the last few weeks, but actually this is the third time that Luke, the author of the book of Acts, he has given us the story of Paul's conversion. Um, and so, for some reason, Luke thought it very important that we would know this story really well. He's repeated himself for the third time. This is the only time he does, repeats himself like this, in the book of Acts. So there's an important reason that it's in here. So I invite you to turn with me to uh, Acts 26. You can follow along with me. If you're paying close attention, you might have thought we were scheduled to be in 25 this morning. You'd be right, but we're, we're going to skip over to chapter 26. Um, And as you heard in the children's sermon, Paul's giving another defense, um, and he says he he simply has hope in the resurrection. And he too was once a persecutor of the way, but then everything changed when he saw the light. So Acts 26, verse 12, he says, I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those traveling with me. Now let me pause to make a comment here. Midday was the absolute brightest time of the day. Imagine trying to shine a flashlight at that time of day. You can not really see anything. No, right? Because it's so bright. So the fact that this light was so bright and so blinding, it must have been an incredibly powerful light. Brighter than the sun, even. And we know from the other two accounts of this story that seeing this light actually physically blinded Paul, right? Remember this? He could, after looking at, remember when the solar eclipse happened like a year or two ago? It was like, you could, don't look at the light. because it's going to hurt your eyes. This is what happened to Paul. And so the Lord, I think, gave Paul and us a picture of the gospel in this conversion story. There's a reason Luke has repeated this a third time. You see, when Jesus comes into our life, it's like a bright light that overwhelms everything else. And Paul will go from being blind to literally having his eyes opened and again, another picture of when Jesus comes into our life, it's like we've, we were blind to reality and now our eyes have been opened and we will see everything differently in the light of Jesus. So Jesus has opened his spiritual eyes. So then we get to the part of the conversion story that we have heard before in verse 14. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I asked, Who are you, Lord? And right after this, friends, we get words of Jesus that we have never heard before yet in the book of Acts. It's a very, very precious statement the words of our own Lord. And um, this is the first time that Luke discloses these words of Jesus, and he has saved the best for last in his telling of this account. One scholar says one could hardly give a more succinct presentation of the gospel, and another says one also could hardly find a text that better summarizes the major theological, theological concerns of Luke and Acts when it comes to mission. So these are some of the most important words in the entire book of Acts. And rightly so, because they're the words of Jesus himself, right? And the Lord Jesus gives an account of what, of what he wants to do in the world and what he wants to do in our lives, what he wants to do, friend, in your life. So what Jesus wants to do in us can be summarized by three words. Open, turn, receive. Open, turn, receive. We'll get into that. So verse 15, And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see. I will rescue you from your people and from Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes. So what does Jesus want to do in our lives? Well, here's the first one, friends. Number one, Jesus wants to open our eyes to the truth. He wants to open our eyes to the truth. If Jesus is sending P- Paul to open people's eyes, well, what does that mean about their eyes right now? <laughs> right? They're closed. They're not open. They are blind to the truth. They are blind to the reality. And so we are we're speaking spiritually. See, before Jesus came into Paul's life, he fought he was serving God. He thought he was helping God out by persecuting the Christians, right? But he was totally blind to the reality that the ones he was persecuting, that they were, uh, they were the ones whose Lord was the Lord of the whole world, the risen Lord. He was totally blind to that fact. You see, people all around us are blind to that same reality blind to the reality that Jesus is Lord. And they are blind because we live in a spiritual battle, in a land of darkness, friends. In Second Corinthians, Paul said, the God of this age, Satan, he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so before we come to the knowledge of Jesus, we are, we are blind to the light of the gospel, of Jesus because because Satan because the devil is at work blinding us deceiving us tricking us trying to destroy as many lives as he can. And so without God we are we are blind even to this reality that it's going on. And so we need God's spirit to come and open our eyes. And so God how he does this is he actually chooses servants, he chooses witnesses, he chooses his people to be the instruments by which he will open people's eyes. When they hear the message of the gospel. Now friends, I don't know about you, but I remember the first time my eyes were opened. I still remember it to this day. You know, I grew, I grew up in church, I grew up in the Catholic church, um, and my parents were on their own spiritual journey, and they decided actually to go to a covenant church in Grand Rapids, First Covenant in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I really wanted nothing to do with it, I wanted nothing to do with the church, I really wasn't interested. I got invited to go to church camp and I was like, no thanks. Church for a week? That sounds boring. I don't want to do that. And a youth leader came up to me about, about a week before the camp started and said, hey, we'd really love for you to go. We'd love to pay your way. I said, well, I guess if you're paying for it, fine. I'll go if you really think it's that important. So I decided to go. And friends, I, I, can, I can't really fully explain it to you because it's one of those things that just, it, when it happens to you, you know it, you feel it. But I was was listening to the speaker and he was talking about how God loves each and every one of us personally. How he loves you individually. And that he he loves you so much, he sent his son to die on that cross for you. Do you know it's okay to personalize that? Paul did. Paul said the son of God loved me. And gave himself for me. And so when you think about the cross, you can think about God doing that just for you. He thought of you. He loved you. He wants a relationship with you. And as the speaker was saying all this stuff, it's literally like it felt like the eyes, my eyes were open. I'd been in church for 13 years. But finally, something clicked. And I said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus that week, friends. And my eyes were totally opened. I saw everything differently. I no longer hated the church. I wanted to go to church. (laughs) Any chance that I could. You see, Jesus wants to do the same in each and every one of your lives, in your friends' lives, in your family's lives, in your neighbor's lives. He wants to open their eyes to the truth of who he is and of who we are in light of him. Jesus had said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He wants to open our eyes to, to this truth, to see reality and to see him. That's the first thing he wants to do. The second thing Jesus wants to do in our lives, he, Jesus wants to turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that's what Jesus said to Paul. I'm going to send you to them to open their eyes so that, here's the purpose, so that they may turn from darkness to light. When our spiritual eyes are opened, we can begin to see the reality that this world is a battle between light and darkness. And Jesus is drawing us, he is calling us, and he is empowering us to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the Bible has many ways of saying this. We, you know, we talked about this last week. It's, it's, in, other, in other words, it's turning from sin to holiness, right? It's turning from darkness to light, from what is wrong to what is right, from what is unjust to what is just, turning from sin, evil, and self towards God, or in other words, to repent, Right? That's what repent is. It means I'm going this way. I'm following myself and my evil desires, and I'm turning towards God. So to turn from darkness to light, to light is to repent. As you know, many of you know, I've taken many a road trip, and personally, I don't really like driving at night. Night, uh, night. A few of you shaking your heads with me. I Don't like driving at night. It's not. It's not as exciting. You don't get to see all the beautiful scenery around you. I feel like it's also more dangerous. I'm getting tired. And if it wasn't for the literal lights on the street, I mean, it would be like a death trap, right? Um, Man. And so when Jesus, in the same way, when Jesus turns the lights on, we're able to see the dangers of sin around us, the traps around us. But at the same time, we're also able to appreciate and to see the beauty of the light, the beauty of who he is, the beauty of walking in the light. So it's not just turning from what is dangerous, like while we're driving, but it's also the ability to see the beauty and goodness of God and his ways. So to turn from darkness to light, it means to hate what is dark, it means to hate what is evil, but it means to love and to appreciate God's truth and his beauty and what is holy. And so before Jesus comes into our life, we're we're blind to this reality, we're blind to this division around us, and the world tells us just just live for your desires, blind to the fact that our desires are tainted by sin. Our world tells us just to amass as much stuff and as much wealth and as much money as you can, blind to the reality that greed is deadly and that we can't take anything with us, and Jesus wants to steer us from these dangerous paths so that we can walk in his light. As Paul said in Ephesians 5, for you were once in darkness, now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So to do this, we need Jesus to help us, right? I mean, you can't do this in our own strength. And so we need Jesus to give us the power to turn from Satan to God, which is what he wants to do in our lives. And that's what happens when we invite Jesus, when we invite the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because in Jesus, we are, in God's truth, set free from the power of the enemy. He doesn't have any power over us. We've already been set free from his power. And so Jesus said he's going to send Paul out, and by extension, the church. He sends the church out to turn people from the power of Satan to God. You know, in Ephesians 2, it describes what it was like for, for unbelievers before these, these unbelievers became Christians, right? So it says in Ephesians 2, before you came to Christ, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So Paul is, is, again, he's kind of turning the light on and saying, hey, you may not have realized this, but before you came to Christ, you were in a spiritual battle, and the enemy was at work in your life. There, in some measure, the enemy had some power over you. There is a power, a spirit at work, influencing, deceiving, tricking you, leading you into darkness so that you'll be dead in your sin." And there's no getting around it, friends. The Bible paints a clear picture of a, an intense spiritual warfare, right? First Peter 5, be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, de- to devour. You know, I think one of Satan's best tricks is, for, is to get us just to forget about him. Just to get us to not even think about the spiritual battle going on. That's why Peter has to say, be alert, be alert, because one of, the, one of Satan's tri- tricks is for you to not be alert, to not be of sober mind, to not be prepared. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie series, The Matrix. Can I, just get, can I get a raise of hands? I'm just curious, man, this was like tw- 25 years ago. Okay, a good number of you. Um, but in that movie, right, there's uh, people, the machines have uh, taken power, and they've put people to sleep, and they're using humans as like batteries, and so they put the humans into this dream world. And the people have no idea that this is happening until someone comes from the outside into the matrix and opens their eyes that they would see what's really going on. And that's a picture of the Christian life, of life itself. That we have this, there's, a, there's a dark spiritual power in our world that is at, at work influencing people, deceiving people, And the church is actually, friends, sent out to help open people's eyes to this reality so that we can turn to God. So Satan, he ultimately wants people to do everything that is contrary to the will of God. You know, we've been, I'm in confirmation downstairs on Sunday mornings and we have these building blocks, these catechism questions. You know, what is sin? Sin is anything in thought, word, or deed contrary to the will of God. And so what does Satan want to do? He wants to get people to do anything. That's contrary to the will of God. Now, First John 3 talks about this. I'm going to put this up on the screen. This is a really intense passage in Scripture. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason this God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Whew. This is intense, right? But the reality of the spiritual warfare going on, and John is saying sin is what the devil does. Sin is what the devil is responsible for. Sin is what he is trying to get us to do. And so rebelling against him is what he's been doing, and Jesus came to save us from this rebellion so that this influence, this power, this desire to rebel against God would no longer have a home in our hearts. Jesus came to put an end to that. So John says, no one who's been born of God will continue in this. No one who's been born of God will continue in sin. Friends, Jesus wants to totally transform your life from the inside out. Can't you see that this is what he has come to do? Jesus said to Paul, I want people to turn from darkness to light. I want people to turn from the power of Satan to God. So he's not just coming in and just tweaking a few things in your life here and there. He wants to totally transform you into a new creation, born again, so that sin would not have a home in your life. And so if we have been born again, his spirit is in us, leading us to light, leading us away from the darkness into him. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. But it does mean that if we truly are born again, we will not continue to sin it will not have a consistent place in our lives. It will not have a home in our hearts because that is the evidence that his fruit is being born in our lives. So brothers and sisters, fear not. The Lord has given us all the power over the evil one and we can overcome through him. He has rescued us, as Paul says in Colossians, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do that in you, to move you from darkness to light. And finally, friends, the last thing Jesus wants to do, not the last thing, but last thing in my, my sermon. <laughs> the only thing. No. Number three. Jesus wants us to receive the forgiveness of sins and a heavenly inheritance. It says he wants to turn us from the power of Satan to God. He continues in the passage. So that they may receive... Forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, when Jesus turns the lights on by the help of the Spirit, He helps us see our sin, and we can't receive forgiveness of sin until we realize that we need it, right? So He helps us see our need, and this is how Jesus set Paul free. Did you see? Did you notice that He comes to comes to him, Saul, Saul? Why are you persecuting me? He reveals the sin, the major sin in Paul's life is that he was persecuting Jesus Christ by persecuting the church. And so if our Lord, who wants to move you from darkness to light, if he were to come to you, what, he, what might he say? Why do you neglect me? Why do you continue in sin? Why don't you share about me with others why do you love so many things more than me why do you call me lord and don't do what i say what he might what might he say and oh by the spirit would he open our eyes to see our great need for mercy and again as i said last week if you if we feel the conviction of the spirit at any moment we take that as a sign that God loves us that he's drawing us to the light that he's drawing us to himself and so in the gospel we're given the grace to know our need for his mercy and forgiveness but also to receive the forgiveness of all our sins and i love how jesus is pretty good with words love how he puts this he he wants he wants us to receive the forgiveness of sins. He's going through all of this trouble, dying on the cross, rising again, sending Paul out. I'm turning you from all of this so that, why? So you can receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among the saints. Brothers and sisters, God wants to forgive you. He's not reluctant. He loves you. He wants to pour out his mercy and grace on you. Don't be ashamed of your past. Don't feel like you've done something that can't be forgiven. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to receive His grace and His love. And it says He wants you to receive a place or an inheritance among the saints. Now, this is kind of like the tribes. They received their portion, they received their lot in the promised land, right? Now the Lord is saying, I want you to receive your inheritance, your place in the kingdom of God, where you'll be in my kingdom, and have a place among God's holy people. Inheritances, they're for the family, right? They're passed down to the next generation. And so if we receive a place, if we receive an inheritance among the saints, it means that we're part of God's family, we're part of his family. And so for maybe Jews who are hearing this speech from Paul as he's reporting the words of Jesus, it would have been surprising that, oh, Gentiles are also receiving the inheritance of God's holy people. All the nations can become part of the family. They can receive what's meant for God's people. Yes, God wants them to receive that. God wants to give his grace and to graft all people in. To his family, among those who are sanctified, among those who are sanctified, made holy by Jesus, not only are we justified by faith in Jesus Christ, we can be sanctified through faith in Him. And on a Sunday, where many Protestants today they recognize the Protestant Reformation. If you didn't know that, I would like to uh, summarize with a quote from the great reformer John Calvin. Therefore, this is the goal of the gospel, that delivered from mental blindness, we may become sharers of the heavenly light. Snatched out of the dominion of Satan, we may be turned to God, and having received the forgiveness of sins, we may obtain a share in the eternal inheritance among the saints. All who desire to make proper progress in the gospel ought to have their sense turned intently A good summary of this passage. So what does Jesus want to do in your life? Open, turn, receive. He wants to open your eyes to truth. He wants to turn you totally from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And he wants you to receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among the saints. And whether you've been a long-time follower of Jesus or perhaps your eyes are being opened for the first time as you're listening to this or as watching online, this is all how we can respond to this is, is these simple words. We can pray these words. We can pray for the Spirit to open our eyes to the truth. Pray that God would help us turn from sin and turn towards Him, And pray that He would help us to receive His forgiveness and inheritance among the saints.